Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, welcome to the uh, program. We've got a lot of good news for you. We start the podcast off with some things that are happening that show that the top is uh, changing and we focused a little bit on the media and uh, something that John F. Kennedy said back in 1961. Also, we have uh, Azra uh, Nomani. She is this remarkable woman, former Wall Street Journal reporter who is now following all of the things going on with school boards. She gives us an update on that. There's some real progress on that. David Harsani is with us. Also, Bjorn Lomberg is uh, talking to us about climate change. Don't forget, Glasgow is coming up this weekend, and Joe Biden wants to give them a big hug and kiss. And that's the focus of your new special as well. Yes. Tonight on Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash Glenn is the place to go. You get 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. So that's tonight at 9 o'clock. Right after a brand new Studas America. You're welcome. That was a gift. Hey, thank you. The best of the Glenn Beck program. So Dee Parker uh, wrote uh, the case for optimism, 10 reasons why the pro-freedom right will defeat the anti-liberty left. He said the leftist enemies of freedom and civil rights are such that it makes it impossible for them to win. And while it would be a disaster if they were to befall the planet, it would be uh, still hard to be positive. It is still hard to be positive when it's a steady diet of doom and gloom every day. Every day brings yet another attack on freedom and progress from people falsely labeling themselves as liberals. Many of these reasons from opt- for optimism of the pro-freedom right are because they are directly contrasted with the negative characteristics of the anti-liberty left. Now, this is really important. Do you remember um, years ago, I talked about Martin Luther King and how he was right about a couple of things. Um, one was once you have the images that people can contrast between good and evil, people will always pick good. Americans will. Now, that is true as long as our Judeo-Christian values are still alive in our heart. That's why we try so hard to keep our, our hearts soft. That's one of the reasons why I started Mercury One, to remind you how good it feels to do good. And we were just reminded this summer when we went and helped people in Afghanistan, which is still going on. We have to keep our our hearts soft so we can recognize the difference between good and evil. That's one reason why I say we can't become them and defeat them in the way they want to defeat us. We have to go a different path. Martin Luther King said, if you contrast the two, they will always pick the American people will always pick good. 
we didn't have the pictures of the German shepherds, you know, being sicked on blacks as they marched in uh, Memphis. We didn't have the fire hoses. What we had was a group of people that we felt were Marxists. And do you remember how they fought against that? When Newsweek came out and said, we're all, we're all, what was it, socialist now. We pointed that out at Fox and said, really, we are? Because I thought you were denying that you were socialists. Now they're saying they're out in the open. And Barack Obama went on a big smear campaign and saying that anybody who claims that he was a Marxist or a socialist uh, was racist. Now they're coming out and they're embracing Marxism. As I said to you, they want to tell you exactly what they're doing. But they can't because the minute they do, you're on to them and you're saying, that's not me. This is what happened in Afghanistan when uh, Joe Biden failed miserably and then claimed it to, to be a victory. Americans saw that and went, that's not us. That's not us. I don't recognize that those military leaders. I don't recognize our government. That's not who we are. And we could contrast that with who we've always been. Now, let me give you some of the reasons for optimism. According to D. Parker, he says, one, we're on the side of freedom and anti-liberty left is on the side of authoritarianism. This is becoming more and more clear. For instance, Chomsky was just on um, MSNBC a couple of days ago. And he said, people who refuse to accept vaccines, I think the right response for them is to not force them, but rather to insist that they be isolated. If people decide I am willing to be a danger to the community by refusing to vaccinate, um, they should say then, well, I also have the decency to isolate myself. I don't want the vaccine. I don't want the right to run around harming people. That should be convention. Enforcing is a different question. It should be understood, and we should try to get it to be understood if it really reaches a point where there are, they are severely endangering people. Then, of course, you have to do something about it. So what is he, what is he saying? He's saying that there should be camps or there should be, they should self-isolate in their home, but he really means isolate. Because the next question was, well, how do they purchase food? This isn't how do they go out and work or anything else. How do they purchase food? Chomsky's response is telling. Well, quote, actually, that's their problem, end quote. So who is on the side of freedom and people? And who is on the side of authoritarianism? It is becoming clear that the left is authoritarianism and not because we say it, because their actions are now showing it. Second uh, point of optimism, we have timeless advantages. The anti-liberty left only has short term tactics and tricks. Well, let me give you one. Did you see that um, that the uh, military came out yesterday and said, what is it? There are 496 Americans still trapped in Afghanistan. 
Well, first of all, there are more than 496, but that is double the amount that they said over the summer. They said there were about 200. Okay, so double the amount, over double the amount. And then it, later they said there was less than 100. Now they're saying there's almost 500. The truth is that it is much larger than 500. Could be in the thousands. One, two, three thousand. Could be 5,000. Nobody really knows. But when we said that, we were called conspiracy theorists. We were called all kinds of names, unreliable. It is becoming apparent that their short-term tactics and their tricks don't work. Another example of this is, well, it's just transitory. Don't worry about inflation. It's just transitory. Well, it's not transitory, is it? Have you checked what you're paying for meat? Have you checked what you're paying for gas? Have you noticed how expensive almost everything is? Did you know that this Thanksgiving, the meal that you put down, the traditional Thanksgiving meal here in America, will cost you more than it ever has in the history of our country? That's saying something. It's not transitory. It is something that we should be working uh, to solve. All of their short-term tactics and tricks, they all fail. But we have the truth on our side. We have mathematics on our side. We have evidence on our side. Three, while we can be honest, the anti-liberty left has to lie to survive. Sanjay Gupta was a great example of this. Uh, with the horse dewormer stuff. That is a Nobel Prize winning medicine. Yet everybody had to claim that it was horse dewormer. Why? To stop people from getting the uh, uh, stop people from getting some sort of treatment and to focus everyone on the vaccine. We all know the truth. The vaccine is effective. If you want to get it, you can get it. We also know that there are other things that will help ease the pain if you have COVID. Horse dewormer is not one of them. However, the Nobel Prize winning human version of that may help. But they have to discredit everything. January 6th, January 6th is another case. Why is it that they won't release all of the video? Well, there is a really fascinating report that is out now from Revolver uh, that looks like uh, that maybe the FBI was involved in setting this up. We'll give you that story coming up. But they always have to lie to survive. We can be honest. We believe in civil liberties is number four. They don't. Let me again give you this. This is the scariest thing I've heard from a government official, perhaps of all time. And it came out of out of Rochelle uh, Walensky's uh, mouth. She's the CDC director. Last Sunday, she said there is a plan to get unvaccinated essential workers education and counseling so they will feel comfortable getting vaccinated. I got news for you. I'm not getting vaccinated. 
I have antibodies and I am not going to go through some government education. And I certainly will not sit down with a government sponsored therapist for counseling. So wait a minute, which one of us believes in civil liberties? Which one of us really is fighting for freedom of speech? Which one of us is fighting for the freedom of the press? Did you see yesterday two new people were appointed to the FCC, hardline lefties. That is going to affect my job, my voice, your ability to hear me on radio. Mark my words. They have to shut people down. That's not somebody who believes in the Bill of Rights. The fifth reason to be optimistic. We love America and the average person loves America. They do. We have problems and we're honest about those problems. But the anti-liberty left hates America. Look at Colin Kaepernick. We believe in individual rights is number six. The anti-liberty left believes in collective rights, vaccines, the mandates, the passports. By the way, the FDA has approved uh, one of the vaccines for kids. So I guarantee you the collective right of your kid and you to be the parent of your kid and decide what goes into his body and what doesn't go into their body. Uh, you're going to lose that right if you're not standing up. Uh, by the way, Terry McAuliffe, he doesn't mind. You as a parent don't have a right to raise or teach your kids or question what your kids are learning in school. Number seven is economic liberty has always worked. And societal slavery of socialism has never worked. You know, they said the model is China. Have you seen what's happening in China lately? Number eight, we're productive in society. Those who believe in the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and the Declaration of Independence, we generally are productive in society. Anti-liberty leftists are parasites. Good example of this is unrealized gains. What are unrealized gains in the stock market? That means if you're a teacher, your teacher's union has your pension and your pension is in the stock market. And every time the stock market goes up, you're now going to have to pay for those unrealized gains. In other words, even if you don't pull that money out, you're going to pay to the government the privilege of that money making money. Elon Musk just came out and said, this is insanity, insanity. And it is, <laughs> you know, this goes back to their lies and their tricks. They say they've already paid for everything. No, they haven't. Or they wouldn't be looking for unrealized gains. Or if they say, no, we're not into redistributive wealth. We're not into socialism and, and, and killing the system. Then they wouldn't be doing this because this will hurt the stock market. People will pull their money out of the stock market. Why? Because you can't afford to pay the unrealized gains without pulling the money out of the stock market. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Azra Nomani is uh, with us. 
and hopefully, I think you have some good news for us, Azra. Oh yes, all I hope right. Everyone's strapped in. Yeah, good, good. I'm I'm ready to hear some good news. What is what is happening on the school board front? Well, what's fantastic is that we have this mama bear revolution, just you know, coming up in school districts around the country and we have made the school board association back down from their threat against our parents of course they did they issued a apology to their own members friday night one of those friday night missives that they hope will get ignored but Uh they don't realize we're all home because our kids are home right Uh we're paying attention to everything um, you know, I don't think they got the memo or they forgot that little point about moms <laughs> having eyes in the back of our heads. Yes. Right, Glenn? Like, yes. Like you, you're an investigator, you're a researcher, but you don't even have anything on a mom, right? Oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> you really don't. You really yeah. don't. And once, so, you know, we've got these mama bears, and I, 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 I think we all grew up reading a little Nancy Drew because we know how you got to follow the money. You have to find out the truth. Uh, we don't accept white lies, right? Mm-hmm. We don't accept this, this kind of nonsense. And um, so what we were able to do last week was, you know, earlier we established really clearly that the Attorney General had a conflict of interest with his son-in-law running a company that profits off of school board decisions, uh, a company called Panorama Education, And then with this great work that our mom-in-chief at Parents Defending Education did, uh, she sent Freedom of Information Act requests to every single member of the National School Board Association's Board of Directors, and they are all school board officials. So as you know, their emails are open to public scrutiny. Correct. And so in those emails, we got evidence that um, the school board association interim director, Chip Slavin, acknowledged that he'd been in talks with the White House for, quote, several weeks um, before the, he issued the letter asking for intervention from the Justice Department. And voila, you've got this, you know, this, this completely cooked up campaign then against parents. So there's something new uh, as well. Um, there is a, a new member to the National Assess- Assessment Governing Board. Are you aware of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so she was the co-signer on this letter calling for help uh, from the White House. Um, and Ms. Garcia is her name, and she um, is the president of the National School Board Association. And so, conveniently, she was named by the education secretary, as we know, a political appointee in the Biden administration, to this much-coveted uh, role, you know, that, that now has oversight over school assessments and uh, does a report card every year. And, and again, bringing it back to the money, um, the, the industry that has emerged over the last several years, particularly of this thing called education technology, mm-hmm. hinges its work on assessments. And they cook the books many times. Like, it's very, um, very you know, dubious, some of their evidence-based. It's really not evidence-based. But it's, it, it's very um, important that we... Um, 
we look at, understand that these government appointments help private industry and, and in some cases, not for profits that are actually working for profit. Got another headline for you, Glenn, because I know you love breaking news. Yeah. Um, Chip Slavin, the, um, I was just up late last night investigating this, but Chip Slavin, the, um, interim president for, um, for the National School Board Association, he is actually, has been an advisor to an education technology company and, um, the, that company, uh, has, um, its founder is the chair of the commission that, the that Garcia was appointed. To. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I knew I mean, you'd this get it. is I knew. just so <laughs> incestuous. Yeah, I knew you would understand. You, you, I, I can see your mind working, connecting the dots and understanding exactly what I just told you. So, um, yeah, it's incestuous. And it's everything. It's just traditional, like, gumshoe reporting that we have to do on this. And we have to remember always that school system that has your child walking through its doors is part of an industry. Like, we have to always put now incorporated you know, yes. behind every, like it's Fairfax it, County Public Schools Incorporated. It really is. Um, yeah. It's it's really disgusting that they hide behind these are public schools and we hate corporations because yeah. as as we saw with Common Core, a lot of the goals uh, that are being set now by these corporations in the guise of helping students is just to make better workers for those corporations. Yeah, better workers, and then also build um, a market, right? Yes. They're building a market. So this is the rest of the story that I, I, don't, I definitely want to make sure that you um, we get time to talk about. So, so for the last four months, I've filed 200-plus FOIAs with the public um, school systems in America. And we created something that we've called the consultant report card. And the last time I was on, I promised your listeners that I'm going to give them a top 10 list of companies to look for in mm-hmm. their school district. Okay. So we've got it. Go to um, defendinged.org and look for the consultant report card. And one of the first um, blogs that we've got, their blog post is the list of the top 10. But but then beyond that, we've identified 200 plus companies and consultants that have raised over $20 million in contracts that we've documented. And, and you know, Glenn, this is just tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, and the number one company is Panorama Education. Jeez. And so, yeah, and so right now we just dropped um, a, a piece in Real Clear Education that I want everyone to look at. Like, go to my Twitter thread and I'll, I'll, I'll tag you on it also. But everyone needs to know, like, this company, Panorama Education, as an example, they are using something called social and emotional learning to data mine your kids and psychologically profile them. And we have an example in our column today that I co-wrote with um, my colleague Erica Sanzi where you can see to nine students in Portland Public Schools in one particular school that one boy said that he was gay. Like, do I need to know that information? No. Does a company in Boston need to know that information? No. And guess what? They also are surveying the parents. So I know now, and you know now, all you got to do is Google 
Portland Public Schools and uh, Panorama Screener survey results, and you will know how many parents self-identify as questioning, as non-binary, as transgender, and then heterosexual, since, you know, they count, too. And this is all being done by the school district? Yes. So what is happening is the school district, this big enterprise, is outsourcing to these contractors like Panorama Education this work. And what we found in Fairfax County, Virginia, is that they are able to bypass all these privacy laws that are put in place to protect our young people by, you will not believe this, they put into the contract that Panorama Education officials are deemed school officials. Mm-hmm. And that's how they get access to mm-hmm. the information. Let me go back to the school board association, the National School yeah. Board Association. We have um, Pennsylvania, Missouri, and Ohio <laughs> now dropping out and saying, we don't want anything to do with the National School Board Association uh, because of the, the letter. Now with the news, not only of the letter, but the collusion with the White House uh, and uh, and the money that is being made um, and the I think it was a a letter to protect that money uh, to the attorney general. Uh, Why aren't more uh, state school board associations pulling out of the National School Board Association? Yes. So they, so these are the ones that have pulled out, as you said, but our number now is at 21 states out of 50, right, that have distanced themselves and reprimanded the National School Board Association for their letter. So this is like classic. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't, yeah. they, why wouldn't they pull out, though? Why, would they, why are they just saying, hey, this is a bad... What do they get from the National School Board Association? Yeah, you know, Glenn, it's the same machine, right, that Washington trade groups um, pull on state uh, organizations or, um, or as you know, like we do this in industry, we do it in public, uh, public office, like this is our public roles, like this is why the teachers union has such power, right, as a national, like they claim to represent the states, and this, these are... I pulled the 990 on the National School Board Association. It's a multi-million dollar uh, nonprofit, quote unquote nonprofit, right? Um, and they, you know, they get they this they just tell these uh, these uh, local folks, as you know, oh, we're going to represent you in Washington. We're going to lobby for you. We're going to get, um, you know, they, you know what they do. Like they get yeah. their their the language and the appropriation language. They get money funneled to the states, whatever you know, shenanigans they're trying to pull in D.C., they claim that they can do it better. I have to tell you, I, uh, if you are a uh, parent, you should go to your local school board and demand that they send the message to the state school board, you don't want anything to do with the National School Board Association. This is obviously corrupt. You now have two people uh, that you can point to directly uh, that are part of this incestuous, uh, I don't even a cabal uh, that is his silencing parents and uh, mining our children. You've got to get away from the National School Board Association. And no matter if they you really think that they're doing things, they must be taught a lesson 
And that lesson will only be taught when they lose everything. They have yeah. to lose everything. Nikki, um, our president, put it really well yesterday when we were just chatting. And she said, you know, they need a house cleaning. And that house cleaning is only going to happen when yep. the states revolt, basically. Yes. And they say that we will not participate in this war that you have launched against Correct. the very people in our communities that we were elected to represent. I only have about a minute left. FDA advisors recommend Pfizer's vaccine now for uh, children ages 5 to 11. You know now that is coming to, as a mandate to our kids. This is not going to help calm parents. Yeah. You know, Glenn, I have a 19-year-old, and I just thank the heavens that I don't have to take that decision that the, the, the parents of these young kids are having to navigate right now. Um, we have really failed our society in, on this public health message. We turning it into edicts and directives, and you know, much much um, much like the this you know top down on mm-hmm. school boards, you know, and trying to silence us mm-hmm. as parents. Um, and so, just uh, what we encourage is please everyone, whatever position you have, advocate. You know, just. You are the voices of your children, and whatever conclusion you come to from that place of reason and love that you have as a parent, please, like, overcome any fears that you have and look at, watch the videos of school board meetings. You know, yesterday we spent the night all watching Loudoun County, and it, and I I don't want to drop that bomb in the last seconds of our conversation, but but it's all indicative that, like, it just takes one parent, you know? In every situation, one parent encourages contagious. Thank you so much, uh, Ezra. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. David Harsani, senior writer of uh, National Review, author of Euro Trash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. Uh, you can find David's work at nationalreview.com and his new book, Wherever Books Are Sold. Hello, David. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. You bet. It's always good to talk to you. Um, so uh, tell me about the, uh, the Euro Trash, because as I'm, as I'm looking at Europe, I have seen Europeans say, oh, my gosh, America has gone crazy uh, and we're becoming so much like Europe. We are passing Europe in some ways, are we not? Uh, I think that's fair to say in some ways. I mean, when you look at this three point five trillion dollar bill, it's a welfare state cradle to grave sort of European style expansion of the state. But it's even worse because in Europe, at least they pay for that stuff. And, you know, in, in Denmark. <laughs> In Denmark, a uh, person making, making 60K will pay like 65% of his salary in taxes. But can you imagine an American doing that? And Bernie doesn't want us to. He just wants to either print more money or, or tax no, no, the, people. As they, hang on, David, David, David. I've heard from the president. No joke. It's the truth, man. It's all paid for. It's not going to cost a dime. <laughs> Zero dollars. Zero dollars. Three. It's the same guy who told us that spending more money will help with him bring down inflation. So. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if he has his economics uh, <laughs> <laughs> or anything else, frankly. Uh, so um, why doesn't the 
the socialist system that works in Sweden work here? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, scale. You're talking about, I think Sweden has 9 million people, and it's the largest Nordic nation. You can't scale that kind of system. It would mean having a massive bureaucracy. But the other question is, why would I want it anyway? It's not as if they do anything better than we do. Certainly, they're not better at assimilating new people. They're not better at health care. They're not better at any of the things um, that, that we can quantify. And they're certainly not better at things we can't, like risk-taking and entrepreneurship. So I don't know why we'd want it, A, and B, I don't think that we could do it even if we wanted to. So, David, are we, uh, I mean, we are now talking about, um, what is it, unrealized gains in the stock market. For people like Elon Musk, who is, like him or not, he is changing the way things are happening in the world. Um, and he sees over the horizon, he sees a different, uh, a different future. And now we're talking about giving him uh, an extra tax on unrealized capital gains. That, that's, that's insane. That's a perfect example of, of a European mindset where when you, when you think about innovation and technology, the top 30 technological company, tech companies in the world, one is European. Spotify and the rest are not. Most of them are American. Why do Europeans come here to start their companies? Tons of our biggest companies are, are started by immigrants or, or, or children of immigrants here. It's because of things like this. Taxing people's unrealized profits would um, undermine the risk-taking venture and undermines investment. And it's exactly the sorts of things they do in Europe. I mean, every country is a little different, but that's, that's the mindset over there, and we're bringing it over here. But, they're not, but they don't tax unrealized gains do they i mean i i've never heard of that before how does that system even work you go your stock goes up they you pay income tax on it then your stock goes down do they give that money back what i mean how does that work no because these are these are parlor these are tricks to try to tax rich people where is in europe they just do it you know right. we're honest about it right um so yeah until they start driving the people out so have you right. ever have you ever seen a president uh, or really, really anyone do what Biden did when he went over to Europe and tried to get the Europeans to agree on a baseline corporate tax so no one would be stealing corporations from from each other. You'd trap them never. in the countries. Never, never. I just don't even understand. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about one world government. Sometimes it's down a little bit nutty, but I have to say. When you have uh, the United States trying to create a worldwide tax system um, to, to, to stop competition, which is what that does, I, I just can't think of any American president that's done that. That would have been something that would lose you the election immediately. I mean, I, I just think I, I just I can't, there's nothing I can even compare it to. I think one of the worst things that we have seen um and, and Afghanistan didn't help us on any front. I mean, we have now lost the the moral center of the United States. I mean, and a lot of people had been convinced that, you know, America wasn't moral. And, and in many ways, we haven't been for quite some time. Uh, but we at least would go into Afghanistan and we would uh, help our allies. We would help women and children, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we don't have that moral high ground anymore for our military. I don't think we're trusted anymore. 
And the other thing that is horrible is people used to view this country as a land of opportunity. Now they view us as a, a racist state. Yeah, they do. But still, people stream to our borders to come in because it's just not true. And, you know, by any, again, quantifiable measure, and I go into this pretty deeply in the book, we are far less racist and more tolerant than any place. In my neighborhood, for instance, I live among people who would be killing themselves in many other situations and they live peacefully here to send their kids to the same schools, et cetera. Um, but it is true that people think of, of us that way um, wrongly. Show and me. I believe that. Yeah. Sh- show me how they're more. Uh, we're more tolerant than Europe, because that's not what you hear ever. Well, let's talk about immigration then. You know, I'm legal immigration, not not uh, illegal immigration. But think about assimilation. In Europe, there are places in outside of Paris, outside of Berlin, and elsewhere where there are basically ghettos, generational ghettos of high unemployment. I don't mean, you know, 10%, I mean 35, 40%. Jeez. Um, that where people don't speak the language of the country, where they don't accept the customs and the ideals of the country. Uh, you know, people say diversity is our strength here. That's just a trope. I mean, what our strength here is that we have a diverse types of people who accept the same foundational ideas about living together, or they used to. Um, in Europe, you don't have any of that. These countries can't assimilate any group in a healthy way and we do it all the time when when we do it right um why is that why is that i think we were built for it frankly i mean some of this is just structural problems you have hungary hungary has an ethnicity it has a culture it goes back a long time there are they have grudges that go back a thousand years it's not as easy for them to accept other people it is for us but you know, I'll give you one quick uh, poll number. In France, 27% of people say they wouldn't want to live next to someone who wasn't like them, race, religion, whatever. In America, that number is 1%. Now, maybe wow. some people are lying, but at least they know that that's the right thing to say. That's the credo. That's the way we live here. And Europe just isn't that way. And Tur- people go to like the tourist spots and they think that's Europe, but that's not Europe. Talk to David Arsani of National Review. Uh, David, one of the things I think is fascinating, and it's totally against the narrative that we hear from the media, is we need to be more enlightened like uh, like Europe is. And one of the big issues they talk about is abortion. Like, we, why don't we have women's rights like they do in Europe? Why don't we have abortion that anyone can get at any time? That's what Europe is like. They're ahead of us, and they understand real women's rights. Is that actually accurate? No. Europe, one of the better things they do better than us, actually, is have stricter abortion laws. But, you know, it's complicated because I don't think there really is a pro-life movement in Europe. So they've sort of settled on a more moderate stance organically. There are very few religious people in Europe, and that's a big problem. Um, so there isn't that movement. But they are there are a few things they do better. They have less homicides, um, you know, in, in urban areas and things like that because of our gun culture, which obviously I approve of in, in some ways, the murder part, but <laughs> the gun ownership <laughs> part uh, and abortion and social policy. Um, but some of their social policies, I mean, they do not value life in the same way we do. They do not try to save. So why? So, babies in the way we do. so why do they why are their laws more restrictive than uh, than ours? Is it just from experience? The genocide that has happened in europe over and over 
Again, I, th- I wouldn't say their, their laws are stricter than ours in many places, not in, in some places, but let's say New York, but they're not, you know, they're still very liberal. They would be considered liberal by any stretch for us, I think. So I just think it's because there's, they, they moderate, I think the pro-life movement drives the progressive left to more extreme and extreme places, just uh. this pushback. Now, you know, it used to be, uh, what was it, safe and legal, um, and a rare, safe and legal. And yeah. now it's, you know, celebrated. So I think that that's just because of our political culture in some ways, I hope. Is Europe uh, as divided as we are? I mean, I, I see things like the, I think it was in. Uh, gosh, where was it? Is Switzerland? I can't remember. Um, but just this weekend, they had massive protests out on the streets about vaccines and everything else. Um, and you're seeing these protests. Are they as divided as we are and we're just not seeing it? I'm actually surprised by those those protests in some sense, because in general, I think Europeans are quite docile and pliant people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say that in the way that I think that their risk takers came here or left or go elsewhere. I, I, so I'll give you a quick example. In Finland, like 91 percent of people are like doing and it doesn't matter wait 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 what what was that stat what was that stat you broke up 91 percent of finnish people are you know have a have a have a positive view of their government Hmm. so you can't have that here because we are diverse and we live in different sorts of places and we do different sorts of things and we have different cultural backgrounds but in scandinavia people are are more more pliant they like their government they don't debate in the way we do and they don't have the sorts of uh um, lines of, you know, ideological lines that they draw. They also don't have the diversity we have. We are the most diverse country in the world. No one else is in human like history. us. Yeah. In human history. And the scale in which we do it is immense. And I think the European Union was formed and based on the idea of federalism in the United States. But of course, they've lost that just centralized, top-down yes. control now. That's what that's what progressives want here, right? But it won't work. It can't work when you have a truly diverse nation. David, there's this thing that Bernie Sanders and, and the left has done forever, which is like, oh, why don't we just have the health care of Sweden or Denmark or Finland um, <laughs> and apply it that way? And I think a little bit of that actually creeped into the right when it came to the COVID stuff, which was basically they just said, well, why don't we just do all the things that Sweden is doing? Um, I mean, is there anything <laughs> we can learn from these countries that seemingly have some things that they do correctly that we could bring here? Yeah, I think we could have learned from Sweden that we shouldn't shut down our economy because of the pandemic. That would have been a, a smart thing. And mm. again, um, I wrote, started writing this book before COVID. The COVID thing actually scared, scared me quite a bit in the way that we had politicians and bureaucracies, especially bureaucracies, mm-hmm. just unilaterally running the country. The bureaucracies run the country. And in Europe, bureaucracies are huge and multi-layered in ways that we can't even imagine. And, uh, you know, listen, the bureauc- Donald Trump was elected. The bureaucracy decided they didn't want him to be president. And, you know, and they undermined him every every step of the way. The CDC decides it's going to run the country um, during COVID. These are scary things. because It's not a democratic process, but it's not certainly not a liberal in the good sense process. David, you said uh, you mentioned that Europeans are compliant. What are were you surprised at the COVID reaction of the people in the United States and how much of this people kind of just went along with? Yeah, I think it was scary. It was it was really scary that uh, that a governor in Virginia 
could shut down the churches and people would be like, okay. I mean, <laughs> I just don't even, I don't understand how that can happen here. And you know, how, how are we, fe- how are you feeling today? Are you more optimistic than you were a year ago? Yeah, I feel better. Um, there was that story. I was just a microcosm of this was that Ruth Marcus, the Washington post was in an elevator in Texas. And she told this guy, you know, I think you should be wearing a mask, <laughs> you know, and the guy said, I don't really care what you think. <laughs> I think that's like the American credo, right? <laughs> I don't really care what you think. And that's how we should function. I mean, it sounds selfish, but it's not. It's and we, not. And that's another thing, you know, Europeans think we're selfish, but we give around, and you know this, of course, yes. seven times as much per, per capita as Europeans. Yeah. David Hartsani, thank you so much. Senior writer at National Review. His new book is called Euro Trash, Why America Has to Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. That in of itself is uh, sad and frightening that Europe is dying, but it is. It's true. Na, na, na.